Egyptian wisdom in the revelation of John the Divine. Ancient Egypt, The Light of the World, Book 11. Written by Gerald Massey. Read by Graham Dunlop. Audio editing by Darren Grimes. The process of making scripture history from the Egypto-Gnostic remains, without the gnosis or science of the ancient wisdom, may be seen approaching its climax in the book of Revelation, attributed to John the Divine. It has been commonly assumed that this book constituted an historic link between the Old Testament and the New. But the Sokolatre, or worshippers of the Word made flesh in one historic form of personality, the carnalizers of the Egypto-Gnostic Christ, have never yet discovered what the revelation was intended to reveal. It has been taken as a supplement to the Gospels, as if the history of Jesus had been continued into the wedded life after the marriage of the bride with the Lamb, and that they dwelt together ever after in that new Jerusalem which came down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband, when the tabernacle of God which was to dwell with man took the place of the old Jerusalem that was destroyed by the Romans. The present contention is that the book is and always has been inexplicable because it was based upon the symbolism of the Egyptian astronomical mythology, without the gnosis, or meaning which hath wisdom, that is absolutely necessary for an explanation of its subject matter, and because the debris of the ancient wisdom has been turned to account as data for pre-Christian prophecy that was supposed to have had its fulfillment in Christian history. For example, the Lamb alone has power to open the book of seven seals. His power comprised the powers of the seven spirits of God, the primordial seven. And as represented astronomically, when the vernal equinox passed from the sign of Taurus into the sign of Aries, the Son of God was imaged as a lamb instead of the earlier calf or still earlier lion. Thenceforth, his was the power and the glory and the majesty. And his, the book of life, then newly opened in the cycle of procession for another 2,155 years. But in the book of Revelation, the drama of the mysteries has been mistaken for human history and a mythical catastrophe for the actual ending of the world. The book as it stands has no intrinsic value and very little meaning until the fragments of ancient lore have been collated, correlated, and compared with the original mythos and eschatology of Egypt. To some extent, we are now able to identify the wisdom of Egypt in the book of Revelation, and to make sense of the apocalyptic visions, so long and so erroneously assumed to have been unveiled to a Christian named John in the Isle of Patmos. For the first time since the ancient astronomy was made nonsense of in the futile and fatuous attempt to turn the hidden wisdom into prophecy, intended to prove the truth of a spurious history. The Apocalypse of John might be described as scenes and characters from the mysteries of Tat An, who was literally An, John, the divine penman. This was the sacred scribe to whom the 36,000 books or papyrus rolls were attributed by tradition. In short, Tat An was the pre-Christian John the Divine. His typical bird, the ibis, is still known in Egypt by the name of John. His other zootype, the calf ape, is An by name. The name of Ani signifies the saluter, 
This is the character personalized in John. Speaking of the angel, he says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as one dead. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel. To salute was a primitive mode of worshiping. Hence, the ape on was an ideographic figure of the saluter. The object of the present section, then, is to show that the matter of revelation was derived from the Egyptian astronomical mythology and eschatology, and that the Jesus of this book is one with Ayu, the Sioux, or son of Atum-Ra, who was portrayed as the divine man and bringer of the peace to earth as many thousand years ago. The prototype of Patmos is to be seen in the ritual. John is in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He writes of the God who died and is alive again, saying, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they which pierced him are to mourn. To see how ancient this is, let us turn to the 175th chapter of the ritual of the resurrection. It is the chapter of not dying a second death. The divine sufferer is thus addressed. Decree this, O tomb, that I behold thy face, I shall not be pained by thy sufferings. This tomb decrees. The great gods have given him this supremacy, and he will reign on his throne in the Isle of Flame for eternities of eternities. The mission of Tatan, the saluter of Horus, could not be better stated than in the words of John the Divine concerning the Christ of the Gnosis called the Word. That which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we beheld, and our hands handled, concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness, and declare unto you the life eternal, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Yea, and our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we shall write, that our joy may be fulfilled. Tatan had indeed beheld and heard and handled the word of eternal life, manifested in Horus or Jesus, the ever-coming son, for, as bearer of the symbolic Utat, he carried Horus in his hands and held him aloft as the true light of the world, and the symbolic likeness of a soul in human nature that was begotten by Ra, the Holy Spirit and the Father in heaven. Such was the revelation of Tehutian, or taught Hermes, the position of An, the divine scribe in relation to Horus, the only begotten Son of God, is repeated on behalf of John in the Gospel. It is in the character of Tatan that there came a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for witness of the light. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light, as did Tatan who carries the eye of Horus in his hand, and testifies that Horus is the true light of the world, as son of Ra, the solar god, and of the Holy Spirit in the eschatology. John likewise gives his personal testimony, not without hard swearing regarding that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, and our hands handled, concerning the word. But the testimony of Tatan concerning the word, or Logos, as Horus, was far anterior and just as personal. Moreover, he handled it by carrying in his hands the Eye of Light, the talismanic Matkeru, and the papyrus roll, or Book of Life. 
The ritual is the book which contains the divine words that bring about the resurrection to the glory of eternal life. It is a book of the mysteries in which the revelation was dramatically enacted. As before said, the chief revelation made by On, as we have it in the now recovered Book of the Dead, is made by the Father in Heaven on behalf of Horus, the Divine Son on Earth and in Amenta. Horus, as the Word, gives voice to the decrees which Ra hath spoken in Heaven. In his form of the Divine Son, Horus executes those decrees, and Tatan, the giver of the written words, is the recorder of the decrees for human use. It is announced in the opening chapter of the ritual that Ra, the Holy Spirit, issued the mandate which Tatan hath executed. This was the revelation made by the Father in heaven as testifier to Horus, the Son, who is the Word made truth in the books of An. It is the same opening in the book of Revelation. The mandate is divinely given to John that he shall write the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show unto his servants. And John, like An, bears witness of the Word of God, which was primarily personalized in Ayu as the son of Ta at Memphis. The revelation of Tatan in the ritual begins with the resurrection or coming forth in Amenta from the life on earth. The opening chapter contains the words which bring about the resurrection and the glory, the recorder of which is Tatan. It is on, as writer, who affects the triumph of Osiris over his adversaries on the day of weighing words, or on the judgment day. Ra issued the command to on that he should affect the triumph of Osiris against his adversaries, and the command is what on hath executed in writing the ritual. The revelation of John is termed the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show unto his servants and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bore witness of the word of God, and the testimony of Jesus Christ of all things that he saw. Jesus is accompanied by the seven great spirits whose place is before the throne of God. As Egyptian, these were the seven servants, or Sashu of Horus. Thus, the revelation of Jesus Christ was given to John by God the Father to show unto his servants the first of whom are the seven spirits which are before his throne. This is the same as the revelation of Horus that was given him by Ra to be written down by Tatan, the scribe of the gods. Therefore we hold that John the Divine, as seer in the Isle of Patmos, is a form of An, or Tat, upon the Mount of Glory in the Isle of Flame. Not only are the seven sashus of Horus given to Jesus as his servants in Revelation, They are also grouped around him in their various characters by name, as one, the seven spirits of God, two, the seven as spirits of fire, three, the seven as stars, four, the seven as eyes, five, the seven as golden lampstands, six, the seven ruling powers as heads of the dragon, seven, the seven as angels of the seven churches. Thus, the book ascribed to John the Divine purports to contain the revelation of Jesus Christ, equals Horus, that was given him by God the Father to show unto his bondservants. And these bondservants answer to the Sashu, or servants of Horus, in the original scripture. The subject matter of this revelation is sent by Jesus to his servant John, who bore witness of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
to be set forth as a prophecy of things about to happen that were seen by him in vision, but which had been unfolded by the mystery teachers of the heavens in an indefinitely earlier time, and in accordance with the gnosis by means of which alone it could be understood. For the Hebrew versions of the astronomical mythology in Revelation and in the Book of Enoch could not have been comprehended while the word lasts without the restitution of the Egyptian original as gloss and guide. Enoch, like John, was in the spirit. His internal sight was opened, and he beheld a vision which was in the heavens. But his vision was admittedly astronomical. In it, he beheld the secrets of the heavens and of paradise according to its divisions. The record of his visions is called the Book of the Revolutions of the Luminaries of Heaven. And it is said to contain the entire account for the world forever until a new work shall be effected, which will be eternal. Enoch says, I beheld the Ancient of Days, whose head was like white wool, and with him another whose countenance resembled that of man, and who is called the Son of Man, in contradistinction to the Son of the Woman. I beheld the Ancient of Days while he sat upon the throne of his glory, and the Book of the Living was opened in his presence, and while all the powers which were above the heavens stood armed and before him. Enoch was elevated aloft to heaven. He saw the new Jerusalem. It was a spacious habitation built with stones of crystal, with walls and pavement all of crystal. He saw that the new heaven contained an exalted throne, the appearance of which was like that of frost. To look upon it was impossible. One great in glory sat upon it, whose robe was brighter than the sun and whiter than the snow. No mortal could behold him. Then the Lord with his mouth called me, saying, Approach hither, Enoch, at my holy word. He sees the giants who had been the watchers in heaven as rulers of the seven colossal constellations of the Heptonomy in their beginning and primary foundation. Seven watchers are called up for judgment, and when tried, are found to have been unfaithful to their trust because they came not in their proper season. They are judged, found guilty and cast down into the flaming abyss like the seven mountains overthrown in Revelation. There is also another great judgment day commemorated in the book of Enoch. This is the judgment of the seventy. Enoch says, I saw the throne erected in a delectable land. Upon this sat the Lord of the sheep, who received all the sealed books, which were opened before him. Then the Lord called the first seven white ones, saying, Take those seventy shepherds, and behold, I saw them all bound, and all standing before him. First came on the trial of the stars. Then the seventy shepherds were judged, and being found guilty, were thrust into the flaming abyss into which the primary seven had been previously plunged. The seventy were rulers, angels, princes, watchers, timekeepers, here called shepherds in a heaven of ten divisions, which preceded the twelve and the seventy-two. This is the heaven of the ritual, attained by spirits perfected upon the Mount of Glory, the paradise of peace upon the summit of Mount Hetep at the Atlantean Pole, consisting of ten divine domains which answer in the eschatology to the ten islands, or celestial gnomes in the astronomy. Thus it is apparent that a great judgment of Matt upon the Mount, as represented in the ritual, was uttered in or at the end of the heaven in ten divisions and this had previously taken place when the seven rulers were overthrown, 
and the heaven in seven divisions passed away. The day, or a day of judgment, was periodic, like the deluge. It was the ending of a time, an age or aeon, sometimes called the ending of the world, by those who were ignorant of the sign language. It was but an ending of the world, according to the astronomical mythology, when the time had come for the dead to be judged, and for them that destroy the earth to be exterminated like the Sabao in the ritual. This ending was also announced by a great earthquake when a tenth part of the city fell. There was a judgment annually in the solar mythos. This is still celebrated yearly by the Jews. The same assizes that were held each year or periodically in the Egyptian Great Hall of Dual Justice. But the drama appears so tremendous in the book of Revelation because the period ending is on the scale of a great year. It is not the ending of the world, but of a great year of the world. It is the day of doom, the time for the dead to be judged upon the hugest scale. The last great day of judgment is known to all the genuine books of wisdom commonly called apocryphal. But the nature and mode of judgment were only made known to the initiated in the mysteries. The great judgment of all, like the great deluge of all, was held at the end of the great year of all in the cycle of procession. At the termination of this vast period, it was the judgment day. Then followed the conflagration by fire, or the catastrophe by water, or the subsidence of the mountains, islands, gnomes, provinces, and other types of the heptonomy, or the overwhelming deluge of the pole. The revelation of John and of Enoch both preserved a fragmentary version of the drama ascribed to Tatan as the mysteries of Amenta, such as the mystery of the Great Mother who sat on the celestial waters, the mystery of the dragon with seven heads and ten horns, upon which the woman rode, the mystery of the seven stars, the mystery of the firstborn from the dead who rose again as the faithful and true witness on behalf of God the Father. In the first place, the subject of Revelation was not derived from the canonical Gospels. The fundamental matter existed ages on ages earlier. The cult of the Lamb and the Bride is at least as old in the astronomical mythology as the time when the vernal equinox entered the sign of Aries, and the Lamb of Sebek succeeded the calf of Horus on the mount as the type of sacrifice in the cult of the Sebek Heteps in Egypt. The doctrinal teaching of the mysteries is also partially apparent in Revelation and in the other writings ascribed to John. A fragment of the genuine pre-Christian gnosis previously cited is retained almost intact in the first epistle of John, who says of Jesus the Christ, This is he that came by water and blood, not in the water only, but with the water and with the blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three who bear witness, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three agree in one. After the poor, pitiful apologetics of the patristic obfuscators in this, as in a myriad instances, it is a comfort to touch the truth upon Egyptian ground. Horus came by water, as the child of the mother and bringer of food, when he was represented by the papyrus shoot, or by Ichthus the fish of the inundation. He also came by blood as the incarnate mortal child of Isis. Lastly, in his second advent, Horus or Ayusa came in the spirit as the only begotten son of Atum-Ra, the Holy Spirit, 
who was the father of spirits in the Egyptian eschatology. In Revelation it is said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. The crown of Horus was the crown of life that was the gift of his father tomb. Horus was lord of the diadem. Through him the deceased is made master of the double crown. The son of man was on his head a golden crown. The double crown worn by Horus of the kingly countenance is magnified into many crowns upon the head of the Logos, or Word of God, in Revelation. It was Atum who conferred the crown of triumph on the faithful followers of that example which was set before them by his son. Thy father Tum hath prepared for thee this beautiful crown of triumph, the living diadem which the gods love, and thou mayest live forever. The deceased, in presence of the great cycle of the gods, is the great one who seeketh the crown. He followeth, shew, and calleth for the crown. He arriveth at the aged one, and the confines of the mount of glory, and the crown awaiteth him. The Osiris raiseth it up. This crown of life was always in view, not only to the mind's eye. It was also figured as an object picture to the climbers up the mount of glory. Probably our corona borealis is an extant representation of the ancient constellation that was imaged as the crown, which, when figured in the stars that never set, was a likeness of the eternal diadem that was conferred on those who attained the Mount of Glory. It was an Egyptian practice to place a floral crown upon the mummy in the shita or coffin. The mummy of Ahmes I. The first king of the 18th dynasty was found to have been garlanded with roses for its burial. The chapter of the crown of triumph shows the continuity of the custom in the netherworld, where the garland of earth becomes the crown of triumph for eternal wear. In the ritual, the judgment is designated that of the clothed and the naked. The righteous are clothed in the white robe of the worthy by the hands of Todd and the wicked are synonymous with the naked in antithesis to those who are clothed. There is a comment on this in Revelation. Blessed is he who watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. The ransomed spirits in the ritual who are redeemed from the mummy condition and all the ills of the corruptible flesh put on the pure white robe of righteousness, called the vesture of truth which is given to them by Tot for their entrance into and coming forth from the boat of the sun. And being assimilated to Horus, who fought his bottle against Sut with a branch of palm, the symbol of victorious renewal of life, the righteous also have the branch of palm given to them as typical of their conquest over death and Hades. The crown of triumph and eternal life, which is called the crown of Makaru, as an emblem of the word made truth is placed by Atum on the brows of those who are justified because they were faithful unto death, and thus have won the crown of life, to live forever with their God in heaven since they lived for God, for truth, for right, for justice and humanity on earth. In one chapter of the ritual it is said of the deceased, The mouth of En has been thirsty, but he will never hunger nor thirst any more, for Osiris Chas delivers him and does away with hunger. In Revelation it is said, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall be their shepherd, and shall guide them unto fountains of the waters of life. These take the place of the water spring and the vases in the ritual. 
a second death is spoken of several times, called the extinction of the adversaries of the inviolate God. On the night when judgment was passed on those who are no more, those who suffer the second death are also spoken of as those who are buried forever. That is, they have no part in the resurrection from Amenta. The deceased says in chapter 42, I am he who dieth not a second time. In the rubric to chapter 135, it is said of the defunct, he dieth not a second time in the netherworld. In Revelation, it is proclaimed that the part of the condemned guilty shall be in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This, in the ritual, is the lake or tank of flame in which the evil sabao and the enemies of the good being are annihilated or extinguished forever. On the judgment day, in the ritual, those that overcame are those who passed in triumph through the searching examination of the judgment hall. As we read in Revelation, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. To him that overcometh, to him will I give of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and upon the stone a new name written, which no one knoweth, but he that receiveth it. This was given to the initiate both in the totemic ceremonies and religious mysteries. In the mysteries of Amenta, a white stone or a pillar of crystal is given to the initiate. As he comes forth in triumph from the examination, he is asked what the judges have awarded him, and he replies, a flame of fire and a pillar of crystal. It is said of the Lord and his servants, his name shall be upon their foreheads. In the ritual, the name of Ra is upon the Osiris, and his token of honor is on his mouth. This is said in the Book of Life, which is here called the Book of which the soul is made to live forever. It is also said that the Osiris has been initiated in the mysteries, but he hath not repeated what he hath heard in the house of the God who hideth his face. He keeps the secret sacredly. But the original book of life was no mere volume in which a name might be written. The words of power in the ritual were derived from the Holy Spirit itself by Horus and inscribed by Tot for human use. These divine words were to be made truth in the life lived on earth, so that the Spirit, when it entered the Hall of Judgment, was, as it were, its own book of life, written for the all-seeing eye. It did not live because Osiris died, but because the divine words or immortal seed had quickened and taken root and been fulfilled. Equals made truth in the individual human life as the gnosis of salvation. In Revelation, we read of the voice which was heard from heaven. I heard it again speaking with me and saying, Go, take the book which is open in the hand of the angel that standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, saying unto him that he should give me the little book. And he saith unto me, Take it, and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but in thy mouth it shall be sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and when I had eaten it my belly was made bitter. A mode of obtaining knowledge by swallowing the book was also employed by Ta Niferka in the Egyptian tale of Setnau. He placed a new piece of papyrus before him. He copied each word which was on the roll. He had it dissolved in water. When he saw it dissolved, he drank it. He then knew all that it contained. In the original rendering, the Book of Life was figuratively the food of soul. 
In the Hebrew version, the book of life is turned into an edible and eaten actually as a result of literalizing the ancient Gnosis. It was not a man named Jesus who was crucified in Egypt as the Lord. These are the mysteries of Amenta, and the Egypt signified is the Egypt of that netherworld. It is the place of burial in the sandy realm of Sakari that will account for the streets that were choked with dead bodies. The Lord who was crucified in that Egypt was Ta Sakari in the cult of Memphis, Osiris in the religion of Abydos and Ayu at Anu. The crucified belongs to a later terminology. The cross as Christian was preceded by the Tat, the cross of Ta or of Osiris Tat, the god who was imminent in the wood or tree of the cross, and who gave up his life periodically in or on the cross as the sustainer of the universe. In the mysteries of Amenta, the taut cross was annually overthrown and re-erected as the symbol of salvation. And it was there the Lord was crucified in Egypt. A brief synopsis will suffice to show that the book of Revelation contains a version of the astronomical mythology, which was derived from the Egyptian wisdom. The vanishing heaven is the celestial heptonomy that was formed in seven astronomes, or seven hills, on seven islands, which sank and passed away like the lost Atlantis in the last great deluge of all. The most ancient genetrix is reproduced as the great harlot. She is the beast that sat upon the waters as a pregnant hippopotamus. Her seven sons of the thigh are here as the seven kings who were made drunken with the cup of her fornication, or promiscuous sexual intercourse. These, as powers, are the seven heads of the scarlet-colored beast or solar dragon upon which the woman rode. By a change of type, the scarlet-colored beast becomes the scarlet lady of later theology, the woman in red being substituted for the red water cow. The great mother is now denounced as the great whore living in adultery with her own children, who originated in the seven elemental powers. To pass through several phases of phenomena as the seven with Anup, with Ta, with Horus, or with Jesus and Ra. In Revelation, the mother of mystery is called Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of abominations of the earth, who has the name of mystery written on her forehead. But there was an earlier Babylon in Egypt, known to the secret wisdom which is traditionally identified with the locality of Koptos, nominally the seat of Kep, the Kamite mother of the mysteries. The mother of mystery did not originate with the scarlet woman of Babylon, nor as the red rag of the Protestants, although the title of the great harlot was applied to her also, who was the mother of harlots and to whom the maiden tributes were religiously furnished in that city. Hers is a figure of unknown antiquity in the astronomical mythology, which was constellated as the red hippopotamus that preceded the great bear. The red hippopotamus, apt, had already become the scarlet lady in the ritual. Hence, the great mother, as Saket Bast, who is higher than all the gods and is the only one who stands above her father, is called the lady of the scarlet-colored garment. The Camite constellation of the birthplace may also serve to show cause why the great harlot should have been abused so badly in the book of Revelation. The creatory of the great mother was depicted in the sign of the Meshken to indicate the place of bringing forth by the cow of heaven, whose thigh is the emblem of great magical power in the hieroglyphics. 
The mother of mystery also carries in her hand a golden cup full of abominations, even the unclean things of her fornication, such as the mystery of fecundation by water, which was the primitive mystery of Cap. This was symbolized in Egypt by the water vase and constellated in the sign of Crater, the urn of the inundation. It has been shown that the gods of the Egyptian mythology originated in seven elemental forces that were born of Earth, the mother of life, and who were then continued in a variety of characters as the primordial seven powers. These are reproduced as the progeny of the Mother Earth, where they are called the kings of the earth, over whom the firstborn of the dead is to become the ruler, as Jesus in the book of Revelation, the same as Horus or Iu in the ritual, the god who giveth light by means of his own body. The astronomical mythology was taught in mysteries by the mystery teachers of the heavens. One of the chief of these was the mystery of the seven stars, the seven that are described in the ritual as the seven glorious ones, the seven spirits of fire, the seven great spirits, who are also termed the lords of eternity. As never-setting stars, the seven were beyond the bounds of time, hence they became the witness for eternal continuity. Thus, seven stars that never set were made a group of witnesses for the eternal in the eschatology. These in the book of Revelation are the seven spirits of God, the seven spirits of fire, the seven eyes, the seven golden lamps, or lampstands, as variously typified before the throne on the celestial summit. Certain deities in the ritual are called the Kabsu, gods of light, or of the lamp. When the risen Osiris passes over heaven unto the west, it is said the Kabsu gods of the lamp rise up to greet him with their acclamations. Acclamation cometh from the mount of glory, and greeting from the lines of measurement. This is when the light arises in Kerabah and the child. He of the strong cord is reborn upon the mount of resurrection. The number is not directly given in the book of the dead. But the gods of the lamp are obviously reproduced in Revelation, as the spirits of the golden lamp stands, whether as the group of seven or as the two witnesses, which are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the Lord of the earth. The word kabsu is the name for a lamp, but in the present instance, the determinative shows that a heavenly body is meant. Also, if a plausible correction made by Renouf be allowed, there were Kabsu trees upon the Mount of Glory, as well as deities of the lamp. Kabsu is the well-known name of a sacred tree. This may be compared with the two olive trees in Revelation, which were also two lampstands, as the two witnesses whom we shall identify with Anup, the stellar god upon his mountain, and Tat'an as the lunar lamp of Ra. Moreover, the word Kabsu signifies the soul or spirit as well as the star. Hence, it is probable that the seven stars called spirits, the spirits of God and spirits of fire, were represented by the seven Kabsu stars or lamps, which were held in the hand of the young solar god as the head of the seven, whether as Jesus or as Horus. No matter how these things were shown or are said to have been shown, to John in Patmos, what we are concerned to know is their fundamental significance and to identify them with the lesser or greater mysteries, which are the mysteries of Tatan in the Egyptian Book of the Dead. The writer John, who 
follows afar off in the wake of Tatan, makes an attempt at showing some of the mysteries in his book of Revelation. Amongst the more prominent are one, the mystery of the seven stars, two, the mystery of the woman and the beast with seven heads, three, the mystery of the two witnesses and the four living creatures, four, the mystery of the war in heaven, five, the mystery of God, six, the mystery of renewal in the ancient heavens when every isle and mountain vanished and the heptonomy passed away. In the mysteries of Amenta, there is a resurrection of the body, soul, or manis, and a transformation into spirit. This was on the day upon which the god and spirit Ra calls from heaven to the mummy Osiris and Amenta. This summons to the transformation of the mummy into spirit. Come thou hither, or come thou to me. In Pistis Sophia, it is come thou to us. That was uttered in the mystery of Tattoo is repeated and applied to John in Revelation as the mode of resurrection into the Spirit. John says, I saw and beheld a door opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard as voice of a trumpet, speaking with me, one saying, Come up hither, and I will show thee the things that must come to pass hereafter. Obviously this was the transformation into Spirit that was represented in the mysteries. Hence the saying of John, Straightway I was in the Spirit as was the Osiris at the call of Ra. The cry of come is repeated by each of the four living creatures, who are the same in the mount that the divine powers Amsta, Happy, Tuamatef, and Kapsenef were in the resurrection from Amenta. John says, There came one of seven angels that had the seven bulls and spake with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the judgment of the great harlot that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. The kings of the earth were the seven spirits of earth, who were at once the children and the consorts of the mother, in accordance with the primitive polyandry. I will tell thee the mystery of the woman, and of the beast that carried her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and is about to come up out of the abyss, and to go into perdition. That is following the final judgment. It is explained that the woman whom thou sawest is the great city, which reigneth over the kings of the earth. This was the kingdom of the seven, who ruled with the great mother in the celestial heptonomy. Some light may be shed on the mystery of the four and twenty elders, seated on their four and twenty thrones by the Egypto-Gnostic gospel, Pistis Sophia. In this cryptic work, the mysteries are said to be four and twenty in number. The mystery of God the Father is the first, the mystery of God the Son is last. These two are the first and last in Revelation, the closer and opener of Amenta in the ritual. And all the twenty-four are included in the great, one, unique, ineffable mystery of the Father, manifested by the Son, as the dove or the calf or the lamb, upon the mount of sunrise in the mythos, and on the stellar mount of glory in the eschatology. In Revelation, the heaven in seven divisions comes to an end when the seven thunders have uttered their voices and the seventh angel has sounded the trumpet of doom. Then was finished the mystery of God according to the good tidings which he declared to his servants the prophets, which shows the interpretation of the Camite astronomical mythology by means of biblical prophecy concerning the coming Messiah. 
The heaven that was removed as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, is also imaged as a book which had been closed and sealed with seven seals. This was the Book of Doomsday, the record possibly kept for six and twenty thousand years. The book is seen in the right hand of him that sits upon the throne, a book written within and on the back closed, sealed with seven seals. We may not have all the necessary details for perfecting the parallel and proving the prototype to have been Egyptian, but we observe that in the end of the world, or the subsidence of a country, described in the magic papyrus, as an overwhelming deluge, there is mention made of the seven great dungeons that were sealed at the time with an eternal seal. It is also evident that these seven dungeons were sealed singly one after the other, as it is said of the evil beings who are at the time submerged. What is immersed, do not let it pass out. Seal the mouths, choke up the mouths, as the shrine is sealed up for centuries. There is an echo of this in Revelation. And when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. The record is to be sealed not only for centuries, but with the seal of eternal silence, or as it is imaged with the sevenfold seal. Seven times over in the great year, the typical catastrophe occurred. The station of the pole was changed. The island was submerged. The mountain was dislimbed. Then was the day of judgment when one of the seven dungeons of eternal doom was sealed, and this was repeated until there were seven altogether. It is in this papyrus that the ark or shrine of seven cubits is superseded by the ark of eight cubits, and the heptonomy of Sut is to make way for the octonary of Tot. In Revelation, the heptonomy of seven astronomes is symboled by the Book of Judgment sealed with seven seals. Seven seals are broken for the opening of the book. Seven angels sound upon seven trumpets. Seven thunders utter their voices. Seven plagues are loosed by the seven angels from the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Seven kings are overthrown and seven mountains pass away. At this, the final judgment of the great harlot and her seven children of the thigh, her meshcan, or other unclean things of her fornication, that were set in heaven as primitive uranographic signs, by those whose learning came to be unintelligibly interpreted and unintelligently abused by the ignorant fanatics of a later religious cult. At the end of each 3,700 years in the cycle of procession, the pole star changed, or, as represented, a star fell from heaven. Thus, when the second angel sounded, a mountain, one of the seven, sank down, flaming to be quenched in the celestial sea. This was one of the seven mountains upon which the ancient harlot sat. At the same time, a great star fell from heaven, which was one of the seven pole stars. When the fifth angel sounded, another pole star fell. The fall of the total seven has not been followed but one by one in stars but the fall or wreck of the heptonomy piecemeal has been otherwise described. Enoch saw it as seven blazing mountains overthrown. Seven types of the overtoppling mount or station of the pole may be assigned approximately. 1. To the mount of the hippopotamus, or northern crown. 2. To the mount of the dragon. 3. The mount of the ape. 4. The mount of the jackal, or dog. 5. The mount of the bird, Cygnus. 6. The Mount of the Tortoise, or Lyra. 
and seven the mountain of mankind. To revert for a moment to the beginning of the book, the drama opens in Revelation, the same as in the Book of the Dead, with the resurrection and the glory of the coming Son. Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. It is the risen Lord of resurrection who says, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. This is Horus of the resurrection, risen from Amenta in his triumph over death and hell, or Sut and Akar. He proclaims himself to be the All-One, Har Sam Tawi Neb Ua. Jesus, like Horus, is the faithful witness for the Father, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, who were the seven elemental powers that were born of the ancient mother, and afterwards elevated in another character to the sphere, as spirits in glory, and lastly, as the seven lords of eternity. Risen Horus comes as the anointed, only begotten Son of God. His revelation is to make known the Father which is in heaven as the God and Spirit. We learn from Arrhenius that the Egypto-Gnostic Christ, or Horus, came to teach the seven powers who preceded him and who had no knowledge of the Father, and to create in them the desire to investigate the divine nature and to make that nature known. This was the revelation through the Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, who taught it as a mystery of revelation. The secret of the mysteries was with An. The mysteries of Amenta in the ritual are chiefly eschatological. But some of them are plainly astronomical. In one of the texts, it is said of Tatan, And now behold, taught in the secret of his mysteries, he is the maker of endless reckonings. As Egyptian, the day of judgment was the day of reckoning. And the books were kept by Tatan, who was called the reckoner of all things in earth and heaven. An item in procession is likewise recognizable in Revelation in the statement concerning the seven rulers of the heptonomy. They are seven kings, the five are fallen, one is, the other is not yet come. There is a date in the statement as it stands. The time indicated is that of the sixth pole star, which as here reckoned out was the pole star Vega in the constellation of the Lyre, or Tortoise, some 14,000 years ago. Thank you for listening to this sample. To continue listening to this book and for access to all of our other full audiobooks, please subscribe for $7.77 per month. Go to adultbrain.ca or follow the link in the show notes. This will be a completely separate podcast with a new RSS feed and will have all the titles from this feed as well. Thank you for your help and support in bringing rare and forgotten books to audio for the world.